welcome to the Diversity in Action podcast, presented by the BLX Internship Program. Join us as our hosts, Luis Rosa and Sean Tedlaska, interview guests from across the financial planning field to highlight the real change that's happening in our industry. If you are tired of just talking about diversity and want to learn what others are doing to make the demographics of our profession more closely match the population of this country, this podcast is for you. This episode is brought to you by eMoney Advisor LLC. eMoney provides technology solutions and services that help people talk about money. Rooted in holistic financial planning, eMoney solutions strengthen client relationships, streamline business operations, enhance business development, and drive overall growth. More than 98,000 financial professionals across firms of all sizes use the eMoney platform to serve more than 5 million households throughout the United States. To learn more about eMoney, visit eMoneyAdvisor.com. Welcome to the Diversity in Action podcast. I'm your co-host, Louis Rosa. And I'm Sean Tidlaska. And this is Diversity in Action. Today, we have a pioneer in the industry, a disruptor of the industry in a good way. And I'm very excited to share the space with her here today. She definitely does not need an introduction, but I'm going to give you just a brief background on who she is. She's been for over 15 years in the financial services industry and is the founder and CEO of CHIP, which stands for Changing How Individuals Prosper. CHIP is a business-to-business financial services marketplace that makes finding financial professionals of color very easy. Taking the excuse of the table. In 2021, Investment News recognized her as a see it, be it role model for her diversity, equity, and inclusion work. She also received two company awards in 2021 from Think Advisor for her work in diversity, inclusion, and thought leadership. She was named One to Watch in FinTech for Money 2020 and was awarded as a 2021 Trailblazer from Black Women in Media. She graduated from North Carolina Central University, where she received her Bachelor of Business Administration with a concentration in marketing. She also holds an MBA from Penn State University, Smeal School of Business, where she focused on strategic leadership and corporate innovation. Dana Wilson, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Y'all are equally so amazing in everything that you're doing. Thank you. We are super excited as well. You know, everyone's listening. They're not seeing the video like we are here. Dana has a nice chip t-shirt. So I'm jealous. I'm definitely going to need some swag, Dana. Yes, I got you. I got you. <laughs> Equally on the DLX hat. I love a good cap. I have on my NASA hat. I'm a secret, I guess, quote unquote, astronomy nerd. So love everything about space. Oh, I love those it. That- <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sean's got the nice BLX hat. Yeah, I got to get up on some. Yeah, we'll have BLX to trade. <laughs> So Dana, before we talk about your organization and everything that you're doing in the industry, can you tell us about your career path, you know, basically how you got started and how did you end up where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely by accident. I feel like there were a bunch of other things that I wanted to do besides being in finance, although I love it, you know, put that caveat in there. But I graduated school, graduated North Carolina Central 2006 was super interested in marketing, advertising, all the things that kind of fell under that window of like sales and advertising. I believe pharmaceutical sales was the big industry at that time. I was in Durham, North Carolina, which is Research Triangle Park area. GlaxoSmithKline was blowing up and I was like, you know, pharmaceutical sales could also be a good fit for me. 
but about, I think maybe a month or so before I graduated, one of my career counselors at the time told me to stop by the SunTrust booth, which is now Truist. And I, I was just like, you know, why do you want me to do that? Like we had this really long conversation about all the things I liked. And I don't remember banking or finance being one of those things. So I dropped off my resume, I ended up getting a call, you know, did the interview in, in my eyes for practice and all of that. Actually ended up getting the offer and the job to start there as a loan officer. And, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I'll take this for now. It's a job. You know, that's what you go to college for a job and all of that. So, you know, fast forward, you know, over 15, 16 years later, and, you know, I'm still here. And I think coming out of college and going immediately into banking, especially at that time, was probably the perfect role for me, right? To understand all the complexities around money. You know, you look at a bank in one very siloed, I think, ideation when you're not actually in the industry or in that space, but being able to learn about, you know, money, where money comes from in a more intricate way. I just started to fascinate me. And before I knew it, I just started continuously reading on my own, ordering books off of Amazon back when Amazon only sold books for a lot of people that don't remember that or... <laughs> you know, know that Amazon was not this big conglomerate marketplace. It started out very simplistic. Uh, but yeah, I continuously started reading, wondering more about, you know, what everyone else was doing behind these closed doors, especially when it came to wealth management, private wealth, and kind of navigating that path. And that was really my end. And, you know, I'm still here. I love it. And by the way, I do remember when Amazon was just like a competitor of like Barnes and Noble. <laughs> exactly. Right. They had a very clear vision. And now, you know, they do everything, which I love too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then it's always fascinating to me when people find like their purpose and it like by mistake, like you say, like just you didn't set out to do this and it kind of just found you in a way. Right. So and we're all grateful for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am too. You know, I think that everything happens for a reason. I was always, you know, looked at finance, I think, is more of like a math space or you had to be really good at numbers. And although, you know, I did well in like algebra calculus, I was a little bit of a nerd there, but I didn't really see myself diving deeper into kind of what that space looked like, especially for finance and wealth management. So it was great to kind of stumble into it. But also, you know, the whole point of what we're doing is to keep people from stumbling into this industry. Yeah. And what made you pursue your MBA? Yeah. You know, initially I had started pursuing my MBA maybe a couple of years after I graduated. So I started, you know, graduated school 2006, worked for a couple of years. And I was like, well, the next thing that you're supposed to do in air quotes possibly is go get your MBA, right? You know, my older sister had done her MBA, a lot of her friends and a lot of people that I knew who were kind of in this sort of executive level that was like their next bridging gap. And I thought, okay, well, that's what I'm supposed to be doing because you're supposed to walk these paths, right? You get a job, you possibly go to graduate school, you continue climbing, you know, whatever that corporate ladder is. And at that time, you know, me and the GMAT, we just, we just didn't get along. And I was like, I just had to realize on some levels, you know, just the way that I think and in, in all the other things uh, when it comes to just learning in a very particular way and kept trying to make that work and looking at full-time programs and trying to just focus on what I felt like I should be doing. And I think a lot of it, when I compared and really thought about it, especially now, the way I prepared and studied for my series and investment exams was completely different than the passion of when I was trying to force myself literally to like pay attention and be in these GMAT programs and show up like the difference in who I was night and day. But again, I was trying to force myself down this path at that particular time. 
So I kind of pulled myself out of that and really started to focus on, well, what do I want? What makes sense for me? And let some years go. And then, you know, I knew it was something that I always wanted to do, but I was trying to find a point in which it made sense. So when I started to continuously get down this path in this career in finance, grow out my advisory practice, you know, there was that constant question of does an MBA really impact and how is it truly going to help me scale my advisory practice, right? Is it going to help me get more clients? Is it going to, you know, what is that thing that's going to help me to do? And I kept having trouble answering that question. But when I started to position myself out of advisory and really focus on um, chipping the magnitude of what it meant to be a CEO, what it meant to be a leader, what it means to really think through strategy and leading teams and the type of leader that I wanted to be, it started to make a lot more sense. And I started to be able to answer that question of why I wanted to go back and get my MBA and do my executive MBA. So I think that was the difference there of not doing the full time at this point in my career, but going back and doing the executive MBA so I could be around other leaders of other industries and really learn from them. Because I think that's where you get the most of your learning from, you know, in addition to the stuff you learn within the classroom. So, you know, was I excited about going back through accounting again? Not necessarily. <laughs> I can't say that all of that stuff was fun. It was also crazy to do it at the same time of launching a startup. But my thought process is like, there's never a good time to do anything. And honestly, I think it was the best decision for myself that I made in tandem of running my company because I was immediately able to implement a lot of just thought and strategy in the way I thought about Chip and the business and leading teams and building teams and, and where I wanted to continue to take this vision. So it just really made sense in this moment. And I'm happy that it's over, but I love my cohort in the journey, but the work in school work, I do not miss. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. That must have been tough to balance. So yeah, speaking of startup, tell me about Chip. What gave you the idea and the inspiration to start this? What was the initial origin story there. Absolutely. I feel like the catalyst was, the ending catalyst was really just everything that happened throughout COVID and the racial injustice and the murder of George Floyd. I think that was kind of the last straw that broke me into wanting to do something. But I think even, you know, past that, it was all the leading up to my career, you know, constantly being in spaces when I left the banking industry or banking side of financial services, where I feel like when you're in the bank, there's a lot more intentionality around diversity and inclusion because you want the banks in the branches to be reflective somewhat of the community. So there's a little bit more diversity that happens there to some extent. But after I kind of moved out of the banking world and the bank branch, and I went more into private wealth and wealth management, I just did not see myself. And I just was extremely confused as to where I was as a Black woman, as a woman, as considered a person of color, where I fit into this industry and how I fit into this industry. And I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood of Montclair, New Jersey. So I grew up around everyone. And I mean, everyone in, in the sense of all of that, and then went to an HBCU. And I feel like that experience just gave me a deeper sense of pride of being Black and what that means and, and being around people that look like me and really understood that journey. And then you get thrust into a world where you don't exist. And there's something that there's a mental shift there that you're trying to constantly prepare yourself for every single minute. And I think all of that and, you know, the lack of reflection at conferences internally in the industry and all of those things really just added on to that moment for me. And it was really about the fact that I would work with clients who would have these like unicorn moments of, oh my God, here's a woman in this industry. Here's a black woman. Like, where have you been? And I'm like, that's great. But this is not the normal reaction 
that we should have when you see someone who looks like you in this industry, in this type of role, and constantly sort of running into that in different spaces and places, you somewhat get numb to it, but then you also just get tired of it after a certain period of time. And you want people to feel welcome and seen and heard in this industry internally and externally. And, you know, after all of that, it was just like, okay, well, what can I do? How can I take this energy, these feelings, this emotion, and turn it into something positive to really feel like I can make some sort of an impact, whether it be large or small. I don't really know where the ship was going at this time, but I knew I wanted to try to be a part of something. And that's really where Chip was born, you know, a basic directory. I'm not a technical person. So I was like, how do I do this myself? in a certain way. And I learned how to do some, you know, no code, low coding, put the first iteration together and then kind of let it take flight from there. But I feel like when you have that passion, that ideation in your head, no matter what you see the larger picture of, or even if it's small picture there, it's like just getting it out there and seeing how it's received is so important. That's wonderful. Yeah. There was like a ton of talk for years about like more diversity, equity, inclusion, and panels and webinars. And part of the reason we started this podcast was to highlight like the real change that's happening in our profession and like what are real initiatives that are actually making a difference. Could you tell us a little bit more about what CHIP does? Like you mentioned, it's a directory. What was kind of like, what's the purpose of it? Like how do people use it? Yeah, tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, absolutely. So CHIP, our goal, you know, it stands for changing how individuals prosper. And our goal is really to help individuals get faster access to uh, black and brown financial professionals. So we define financial professionals as financial advisors, certified financial planners, tax professionals, so CPAs, accountants, and also rounding that out with financial coaches and estate attorneys. And I feel like it's really important for people to be able to scale up their human capital team. I mean, we're all really focused on education and, you know, our overall mission is to truly help close the racial wealth gap. And I think the other side of the coin in doing that is getting people access to the human capital piece of things. It's not just in the hard technologies of fintech. It's also a mixture of education and, you know, again, like making people see themselves within this industry to help push not just the industry forward, but also clients as well. So we help on the professional side, you know, a bit of customer acquisition, but really ensuring that people see their face, they hear their stories, they understand their whys of getting into this industry. So when people come to our platform, we want them to feel welcome from a client perspective. We want you to understand that no matter where you're starting from in your journey, from a financial perspective, whether you're new to finance and learning or investing or whatever part you kind of fall into, there is someone that will work with you. You know, a lot of people still feel like this industry is for the wealthy or the ultra wealthy. And, you know, we're still working on some educational gaps there, but really introducing people to all the different types of individuals who can fill in their financial team. People need teams around them to be successful. And that's what we want people to understand, not just on the customer side, but also on the professional side, right? You know, when someone closes business on our platform, which is a huge win for everyone, that's also a professional of color, possibly, you know, staying in business, staying in this industry, because it's tough, right? It's tough to continue to scale. It's tough to stay in. There's a lot more no's that I think, you know, we just naturally get. So being able to support people in that way is extremely, extremely important. And it continuously comes kind of full circle. Yeah. And so was part of it also like for people that want to also support Black financial planners and work with a Black financial planner, they want to support those specific types of business. That's where you can go to CHIP to find those types of planners as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, on the client end, it's really just about walking in and being open and receptive. And at the end of the day, like, yes, we have this focus on black and brown individuals and making sure that, you know, we exist in this industry. But it's also about, hey, if, you know, this is the person that you want to work with, everyone on here is a professional. They have years of experience and underlying knowledge. These are professionals that you should be encouraged to work with. And here is a place for you to find, you know, your team as well or add to your team or whatever you need in that particular moment. We want to make sure people have that and also being able to form that teaming aspect for our professionals as well. All right. Wonderful. And so what are some of the things that are in the works and on the roadmap for Chip? Yes. Yeah, so we've, you know, launched our new website and platform. So it's really amazing to finally be able to transition off our first, you know, MVP version and now kind of launch the ideation or the thought that I always had in my head and now continue to expand on that. So, you know, growing the platform, getting more professionals on the platform, being able to scale and grow in a way and do more marketing, do more partnerships is really what we're looking forward to. The platform as it stands now make, is a lot more user-friendly. Professionals have their own profiles, shareable links, and there's a lot that we're building in to ensure that there's easy space for communication between uh, customers, their teams, and who they want to pull in and building among their team and the same type of kind of back office style for professionals and customizable options and understanding data and, and who's looking at them and all of that. So, you know, it's an amazing time to be a part of what we're building, even from a partnership perspective. Our goal is to not just get more individual practitioners on, but also those who are a part of companies, large and small teams. So doing those partnerships, having, you know, other organizations or companies come in and also support professionals and purchase seats for them. You know, that's something that you're able to do as, you know, part of our corporate sponsorships. So it's really exciting to see the growth and evolution of kind of where we started and now where we're going. Dana, we have a lot of advisors and other professionals in the industry that listen to the podcast. Can you tell us what does it look like as a CHIP member, like the professional on the professional side in terms of, I know you have a lot of initiatives that you partner up with, like journalists that are looking to maybe quote someone in an article, things of that sort. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a place where we want to expand the brand for professionals of color. And again, like our focus is on intentional visibility and we truly mean that. So whether it is partnering with media, we definitely get a lot of um, hits from different companies looking for, you know, quotes and articles and uh, tapping in to get different viewpoints. But it's also not just about putting people on stages and getting people into media. It's also about getting you in front of customers. So we do a lot of of kind of working on your behalf when it comes to consumer-focused organizations. You know, we've built a lot of partnership relationships. We've also launched and relaunched our corporate wellness program. And our goal with that is really doing the groundwork and getting you in front of corporations to speak, to be able to get in front of those larger audiences. So it's not just, you know, you on stage, you on a panel, you in the media. It's like, how do we get you in front of more customers? Because that's truly important. And I think that's how that changed really happens. So, you know, having access to media opportunities, possible speaking opportunities, in addition to, again, the customer acquisition space. You know, we also have a lot of content series that we do within our represented series and also our digital magazine. So our represented series is really customer focused. It's split between part education and part fireside chat for our professionals. So really letting you take the driver's seat, right? You are a professional on a lot of different topics and we want to make sure that's highlighted and people see that. 
So when they're coming to you, they're coming to your page, they know, hey, I know Lewis is an expert in retirement planning, or this is like your specific interest and what you do there is so important, right? So people need to see that and hear that and be able to gravitate towards you in that way. And I think it's important for that content to kind of match up what we're doing, especially in our digital magazine that you know, is now going to be a lot more consumer focused as well. So being able to kind of chop down a lot of those things, have articles directly from the professionals who are on our platform. Like these are all the things just to get everyone more hits, more visibility, more opportunities to write and be seen and uh, visibility through video. Yeah, I love the concept of intentional visibility. It's one of the things that we do at BLX as well from the side of having just the talent pipeline. You know, we typically have heard in the past from companies that they just didn't know where to, like you mentioned, right? We were like the only ones at conferences and so on. So a lot of employers, firms were like, we don't know what the minority talent is, you know? So we're like, well, where are you looking? Right. But I always feel some kind of way about that statement, but we don't have <laughs> yeah, time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time today. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're set out, you know, we started in 2020 just around the murder of George Floyd as well, which was a catalyst for us. So you know, tell me about the included series, because I love all these names that you have, you know, representative series. Tell me about the included series podcast. Yeah, that was something that was super fun for me to do. I started it, I mean, yeah, somewhere around 2020. And the included series was really meant, is my podcast still attached to the brand under the chip? And yeah, included and represented are two like big words that are extremely important. For the included series, it was more focused on people who are not in the industry, but just everyday people, people in my network who are doing great things, who people may or may not know about, but we specifically talk about their journey in finances, right? Their budgeting, their personal financial story, and kind of how that has impacted their life. When you started talking about money, what that meant to you, what that meant to your family, how it kind of progressed throughout your career. Because again, you know, I want us to feel included in this conversation. People of color, we need to be talking about money, making it normal. So being able to have these really fun conversations, they're not meant to be super stuffy. They're just really conversations between myself and my guests around, you know, what shaped them from a financial perspective. What are the myths that they were able to bust just kind of on their journey? What they also might think about the industry overall, like what is your external viewpoint? Because I think that's important. Like this is who companies are always trying to reach, right? They're targeting us and they want to know our data and what we're thinking and where we're shopping and how. And this is a great series to really understand how we feel in real time, what may be targeted ads or not speaking to us or not seeing being seen in marketing material or on websites or constantly seeing that one person on the graphic. There's always like five people that you constantly see on the same picture, but what all that means, right? And how we're really showing up. So I just thought like, hey, I was on a friend's podcast, probably one of my very first podcasts I ever did. It was with Dominique and I had such a great time. And I was like, I could do this. I was like, this is really fun. I didn't know that this would be a path that I would walk down in podcasting. I was like, I just want to get on here and talk to my friends. Like I had no real plan. I just reached out to a couple of people and I was like, hey, this is what I want to do. Do you want to hop on? And all the time it was just like, a yes, yes, yes. So we continue to have these great conversations and looking forward to more seasons in the coming future. Yeah. I was listening to one of your podcasts. I love how you ask about someone's first money memory. Yeah. That really influences how they approach money going forward. We also, with our clients, we like to ask, what did they observe about money growing up from like their parents? What did they do? 
Yeah, I stole that. So I'm a big fan of Brown Sugar for anyone who has seen that movie. And if you haven't, go watch it. It's with Tay Diggs and Sanaa Latham are in Queen Latifah, a bunch of other people. But anyway, the first question that she asked in her interviews, she works for like a magazine and she asked, when did you first fall in love with hip hop? So I was just like, oh, that's fun. And this is one of my favorite movies. So we're just going to change it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it took me back. I remember that. Wow. Oh, yeah. Classic. You know, I wanted to go back a little bit about the intentional visibility again, because I was thinking about you doing something where you're helping professionals get exposed to getting in front of their ideal clients, businesses, and so on, and demonstrating their expertise. Now, I often find that as a financial advisor of color or anyone in the financial space that, that happens to be active in the industry is typically somehow boxed in to some degree where they're always asked to be on the diversity and inclusion panels. And, <laughs> you know, which is fine, right? Because we want to be represented, but I feel like sometimes the focus is just on that, right? Or media might be looking at quotas during Black History Month or Hispanic Heritage Month. So I love what you're doing there because you're like, no, like we actually know about estate planning and retirement planning and help business owners, right? It's not all about, we're not here to solve the whole DI issue all on our own, right? And yeah, no, we are not. We're not experts at that either, <laughs> right? not our job. <laughs> not <Yeah>. my job. <laughs> Regardless of how many awards are out there, that's not our job is to solve for that issue as you're stating. Yeah, it's about being seen as experts. A lot of us have spent years in this industry. Even before that, right, we've spent time. A lot of time goes into studying for these exams. A lot of time goes into continuously waking up every morning and building our businesses and the constant education. It's funny because a lot of my friends, when I went to do my MBA, they were like, don't you have that already? And I was like, no, I haven't done that yet. It's just that in the industry, we are constantly learning. I am constantly doing some license or continuing ed situation is just kind of what it is. But that's the level and the caliber of individuals who are on our platform and who exist in this industry. And it's not just around DEI or inclusion efforts. And yes, that's great. And we have to keep talking about that because we just have to keep finding change. But we also have to remember that we are professionals and we need to be invited to panels and speaking opportunities and be paid for it. That's a whole nother podcast topic. But really dive into that subject matter and really understand that, hey, this person can be on here talking about whatever that subject matter is, not just in industry specific stuff, but also in, in other opportunities, too. So that intentional visibility is extremely, extremely important to me, aside from a company perspective. Yeah. If you're a black woman in this industry, you are a unicorn. Looking at like things like the CFP board statistics as of June. Women were like 23% of all CFP certificates and black or African-American were 1.9% of all CFPs. Latinos were 2.9%. So, I mean, you could imagine just how small of a number that is. Just it boggles my mind. There is, we're making progress. I'm right? moving the needle. Like, Yeah, we're kicking the can down the street, <laughs> trying to get others to kick it with us. Like we're doing it. But it's like when you look at those numbers and you really break that down, I mean, imagine being on the other side of that as a client, right? What does that say to me when I don't see a lot of people in this industry who look like me and really see them and know they exist and understand their stories? How do I know that you are really here to benefit me? There's two sides of this that we don't always think about or talk about from a client perspective, what that means to not see yourself reflected in the industry. Like, how can you say you care about me 
as a client, when you don't necessarily have that reflected within your companies, within your policies, within whatever that looks like top down, not continuously fighting from the middle, but top down, making that a true priority. It's not about changing our logos and things during, to your point of like certain events and months and like everyone changes their logo for LGBTQ plus month, right? But it's like, what does that mean for your company and attracting individuals and knowing that you care? Care, concern, empathy, right? We need to get better about those words. So and maybe that's what they need to be changed, like DEI to care, concern, empathy. Where is that certification? <laughs> <laughs> so let's start that. Chip time B, LX, CCE certification. There you go. Very true. And you know, I know this could be another podcast topic, but yeah, the concept of getting paid as well, it's one of the reasons why we have that as a requirement of firms to pay the interns because not everyone could afford the privilege of taking off an entire summer and not getting paid just for getting the experience. So yeah. <laughs> it makes a big difference. And even for us, like a small, tiny startup, like a tiny, tiny startup, when we built out the financial corporate wellness program, it was adamant that for those professionals who participated, we paid them stipend. And I think that's key to mention too. Like this isn't something that we're pulling you in and say, hey, come do this for free. This is really a membership that also kind of pays for itself. Like we intentionally built it in for you to either pay yourself or also decide to donate it to charity organizations that we support like BLX. You know, we've done that too. Some people who have waived the stipend that they've gotten and have donated it directly to BLX. So like those things make me proud to build that in. I'm like, if we could do that as a tiny startup with we're hanging on to pins and needles, don't tell me that a large company, organization, whatever, cannot afford to do the same. But I'll get off that soapbox and let you continue. Go ahead. <laughs> don't get me started, Luis. <laughs> don't do it. Could you tell us a little bit about the brief publication that you put out? So that was such an exciting thing to work on, especially to work on with someone that I admire so great, which is Anna. Anna is just amazing. She's equally been, been in this industry for a very long time and very well known. And we initially met, was uh, tapped to do an article and we just kind of kept in touch and realized we had so much synergy in our passions for change and what we wanted to see within the industry and continued to kind of talk and like, what did that look like? And really wanting to put, again, something out there under CHIP that was consumer focused that, again, our professionals can participate in and really get their writing because people want to get content out there, right? Well, how do we support in doing that? So I often kind of look at Peloton as a guide. And no matter how you feel about Peloton as a business, an investment, whatever, you lost money, I don't know, I'm sorry. But when you look at the strategy and the way that I look at companies and I look at Chip in the same way I kind of look at Peloton when you see like their instructors and the stars that they have become. I feel the same way about the professionals on our platform and the stars that I feel like they should be looked at in worldwide. Like that's how I look at Chip. So when I look at building and things like the brief and having this digital magazine and having people have a written footprint, like that stuff is so, so important to not just branding, but the evolution of someone's career. So being able to have something that's standalone for that reason to pour into consumers was such an amazing journey. And to continue to do that and watch even that grow and stand alone on its own as well. So yeah, the digital magazine is something that I'm super proud of. And the addition of our college version too, and university version. So that's something that's also equally as exciting for so many reasons. 
if you're an advisor and you want to get on the chip platform, how does the process work? Is there a fee? What do people get? Yeah, absolutely. So you get access to really all the things that I was talking about, which is really the media opportunities, the corporate partnership opportunities, the organizational opportunities, getting in front of all this branding and content spaces that we're doing. You can just come to our website, go to chipprofessionals.com, apply there, and just start to fill out the application. We'll get you approved really quickly. And then you have access to our platform and Yeah, that's really kind of where you can go from there. And it'll be exciting to bring more members on there. You'll have access to, again, customer acquisition opportunities and the opportunity to continue to build out and scale your financial team from a professional aspect in addition to clients doing that. Okay, great. Thank you, Dana. Yeah, shout out to Ana Trujillo-Limon. She did a lot of great work with the FPA and now she's at Carson Group. We actually just recently had Jamie Hopkins and Dr. Julie Regatz from the Carson Group talking about their Fincer Foundation. And I know Anna, she's done a lot of work now with the Coast and the Framework Podcast and continues to just impact. Yeah, listen, Anna is a superstar. I'm just trying to ride behind yeah. her coattails a little bit. It's just, yeah, and I think she, in the she too bed. did an MBA, right? <laughs> yeah. She, she, yeah and- <laughs> you guys are killing it. Yeah, I think that was the most exciting piece of it because we pretty much started around the same time and finished around the same time. It was able to kind of like, hop on calls and just have our vent sessions about all the things that we were doing, but also support each other in that way. So it was just really amazing to walk that journey with someone else who's in the industry. You're working on stuff together and you're also at this in tandem doing your master's together too. So shout out to a good friend. Yeah. You had each other there. Can we sign up for the brief without being a member to chip or is one tied to the other? One is somewhat tied to the other, but we are working on ways for it to not be tied to just directly the membership. So there will be other opportunities, even if you're not a member, to still participate in it. But we'll kind of still continue to work on that. And as soon as that's up and running, we'll be letting people know about it. Yeah, we'll definitely be on the lookout. No, I love it. So where are you on social media? What's your favorite platform? I would say my favorite platform is probably LinkedIn. I'm probably on there the most. I started getting better at it during COVID. I probably would say LinkedIn was my least favorite pre-COVID. I would go on there and like do some (laughs) things or I was like lurking around, but I wasn't really involved. And I think COVID forced you to like, that was your place to like keep up with all things. And especially with the launch of the business, that was my way to really start connecting and reconnecting with other professionals in the industry and still stay engaged. So for me, I am on LinkedIn probably the most and constantly. I'm still somewhat eking my way into Twitter. I don't post there often. I go up there, maybe random pictures. and I'm still working on Twitter. So be easy with me and give me some grace. (laughs) Give me some grace there. And outside of that, I love Instagram. Like I'm a picture person, video, creating reels is really fun for me from a personal perspective because they're like mini movies where I get to like dip into my mini creative tones. So I think all of that is really cool. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, don't sleep on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is a great place. It's not just like a resume thing where you're trying to get a job. You know, I, I think that's how I used to look at it before. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, now, I mean, now I will say that when I open it on my phone, I get confused if I'm like, did I open Facebook or Instagram? I mean, <laughs> sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing today, but it's great. Yeah, I stopped. I have Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And like, that's it. Like nobody, like I'm not doing TikTok. I'm not doing, I don't even know what else is out there. Like, I'm just, call me old. I'm just like, hey, four is enough. I'm just staying here. Stay in my lane. (laughs) I'm like, until I have someone who can manage, 
was about to say the TikTok. So that was really about to age me. I think one time I was typing with friends and I said the Twitter. Did you say the Google? As long as you didn't say the Google then. Yeah, I didn't say the Google. (laughs) I haven't gotten that bad, but I've said the Twitter, I've said the TikTok and I'm, you know, my nieces are probably highly embarrassed, (laughs) but that's my job. Oh, that's funny. I was listening to one of your podcasts and it was recorded right in like the peak of the Black Lives Matter movement, like right after George Floyd's murder. And here we are three years later. It's just wild to think that three years we're still dealing with the pandemic and we're still kind of in it. And speaking of three years, as you kind of look out three years, how would you define success for our profession in regards to making progress with DEI initiatives? Yeah, absolutely. Three years out and, you know, even further from there, it's just, you know, people not having the same experience or the experience that I had or others have had, like, you know, stumbling into this industry. I want that to go away. Like, I don't want people to find out about this industry by chance. I want it to be extremely intentional, extremely visible. You know, this is a career path that I wanted to go in from, you know, maybe a youth or when I got to college, there was a program there. Like, that's what I want to hear. There was a program in a pathway to get into this industry at the college level, especially at the HBCU level, because I went to an HBCU. So I don't want any more of this conversation around stumbling around, hey, I didn't know where to find a person of color or a Black woman or a Latin, you know, whatever that looks like, right? I don't want us to continuously keep having those conversations. I don't want anyone to be talking to me and say, hey, well, I know we're working on this, but I still can't find, you know, I want that to have dissipated to a certain degree or gone for good, right? Three years out, four years out, five years out, like we should not still be having that particular conversation as far as stumbling into this industry. There should be a clear pathway for all to get in, for all to feel included. And not just from like a college perspective, even from a career changer perspective, right? A lot of career changers can find success in this industry. And they're also stumbling in or by happen chance, like maybe their advisor was like, hey, I think you would be really good at this. Why don't you try it, right? You know, let's again, like continuously give these clear pathways. So for that, I find, you know, that three years out is something that I want to see, something that I'm hoping, you know, that chip continues to help with, you know, just from a client perspective, people feeling welcome, not just so much from a banking perspective, but from a wealth management perspective, like I see myself here. This is for me. Like no longer are people necessarily confused by all the different pieces of the financial industry. I think with the evolution and I, you know, we'll continuously talk more about this, like this kind of divide that is tending to happen between financial services, different parts of fintech and different parts of wealth management. You know, at the end of the day, we all sit in the same industry and we need to understand that the more we work together, the more we form partnerships, the greater good that we're going to do for all of these clients that we want to serve and continuously say that we want to serve. So getting rid of this possible industry divide, right? There's a lot of things that we need to kind of clear up as an industry. So I'm hoping, you know, within three, four years, like we have worked really hard on not dividing each other, but really focusing on partnerships partnerships with, you know, startups like myself, partnering with other organizations and really bringing people in-house, right? Not all these external things that we're doing, but really wrapping our arms around it from an in-house perspective, not swallowing and taking over these companies in that perspective, but really being full 
champions for what people are building that is meant to help and propel the industry forward. And we know that a lot of people don't necessarily like change, want to see change. And, you know, we're constantly going through that battle. But I think as people really adopt more of a collaborative mindset and spirit, this industry is going to be one of the most powerful industries as we continue to advance, even with technology and not people, you know, running from that and understanding what that means. So, you know, there's a lot of different things. And I feel like with CHIP, us really being able to kind of sit at the epicenter of a lot of that with our clients on both sides, because we are a marketplace and kind of being that one-stop shop for team building, for human capital, for education, for content. Yeah. Thank you, Dana. The platform is amazing. And I know that you're going to continue to grow it and create even more opportunities for people. So I love it. On a personal level, I wanted to ask you, uh, we have to, right? Is there anything on the personal finance side that stands out to you, either a memory or a finance tip or a book or anything you observed growing up that you'd like to share? Uh yeah, I think, I mean, one of the first books I read, which some people may or may not have read, I think it's kind of a staple, was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think reading that in my early 20s just kind of changed my outlook and thought process on a lot of things. And then also, I mean, I grew up, you know, single mom who was very just adamant about me staying away from all the things <laughs> that did not make sense. And it was just like embedded in me, even when I got to college. And it's just like, oh, here's a free water bottle and a credit card. It was just like, they were like blockers. Like I immediately was like, I don't go over there. I'm not trying to hear about that later. You know, you get a refund check and it was like, ah, yeah, refund check. No, give it back. <laughs> like all of this is not free money. Like these are good conversations to have. But, you know, I think having all of that built into me, you know, as a young child and, you know, seeing the way my mom maneuvered. I mean, she worked at the same company for 45 years. That does not exist at all anymore. But Seeing her set herself up for success also kind of helped me think through what that looked like for me in, in that path. But definitely reading, listening to a multitude of different things, hearing other people's stories was always impactful. But I think, you know, sometimes looking around our natural network and our friends, like we always kind of want to jump ahead so many steps and like, who is the book and who are the people? But I think we need to get a better grasp of having the conversations internally, you know, in-house and with friends. So I think all of that kind of contributed to my thought. Yeah, you took me back. I remember going to the bookstore to buy. It's one of the things I actually have on my website. It's I have credit cards from college. They have helped me now because, you know, I've had them for over two decades, right? But at the beginning, like even before I had a job while I was in school, I was already maxing out those credit cards because it was like, hey, I didn't know. It's like, he has a water bottle and a free credit card, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a free t-shirt. Like, yeah, go and to Cancun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my spring break, you know, on this newfound money that I didn't have and didn't know how to work. I didn't know anything about compound interest or nothing. Man, so that's, yeah. But those are great principles, you know, that you already had a nice foundation. Like, stay away. <laughs> Yeah. Like the pizza story always like, you know, is the one thing I always remember. I can't remember who had told it to me first, but just like, you know, you're in college, you're on a fixed income, <laughs> whatever one people say, that's what it is. You're an old person when you're in school, you're on a fixed income. And it's like, you're buying pizza, you're possibly putting it on that water bottle credit card that you got. And, you know, you never really pay that off, right? The pizza, you know, was sitting on there because you bought it all for your friends because you were excited. And now you've paid like God knows how much money for that actual pizza, right? So yeah, it was like, you know, stuff like that. And thankfully things I did know, but watching other people's journeys go through that, you know, it can be tough. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dana. We really appreciate everything that you're doing for the industry. 
thank you for taking the time to come here today and sharing your story and just the wonderful things that you're doing in your personal life and professional life. So we're really appreciated to learn more about chip visit chipprofessionals.com. And for advisors, you can apply there. If you're an individual, you can search for a pro there. So be sure to check it out. Chipprofessionals.com. If you want to learn more about the BLX internship program, visit blxinternship.org. You can send us an email at info at blxinternship.org. Thank you everyone for tuning in and stay tuned for some more amazing guests this season, such as Dana that are doing amazing things, diversity in action, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Diversity in Action podcast. To learn more about the BLX internship program and sign up for our newsletter, please visit our website at blxinternship.org.